Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community, and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers. Recently, I did a check-in with some of the teachers that are part of the Impactful PBL Network, which is my year-long training program for educators. And part of the check-in was me just asking about where they were in their project process. I know that a lot of our Impact Makers were in the process of either beginning their PBL unit at the beginning of the semester, or they're in the middle of it now. And so my goal was to ask for progress updates to see if there's anything they want to troubleshoot or get feedback on. I received some email back from teachers asking for advice about how to either modify their PBL unit plan so that they can execute one before the end of the school year, or they're in the middle of their PBL unit now, and they may need to modify given their timeline. What may be causing some of the need for modification? Well, as you know, that throughout the school year, depending on where you're teaching, you may have been switching back and forth between we're in-person or blended or we're hybrid or students started out remote, but now they're in-person or they were in-person and they're back to remote or whatever the situation may be for your circumstance. And so the PBL unit plans that a lot of teachers created now need to be modified because it was created for a particular learning environment that they may or may not be in right now. Some of the concerns were, well, Candace, I put so much time into planning this awesome PBL unit and did I waste my time? Is it still feasible for me to launch my PBL unit before the end of the school year? The questions they've been asking is, one, should I abandon the mission and maybe do it next year when things are different, when there's less uncertainty, although we don't have evidence that there's going to be less uncertainty, right? We're kind of making it up as we go. Or should I continue my PBL unit as planned and see what happens? I just want to say this isn't to make you feel guilty about whatever decision you choose, but I want to offer some alternatives. So one, I want you to consider how long has project-based learning been on your agenda? Meaning how long have you been talking about wanting to do PBL, listening to webinars, reading books, talking to other people about it? Like how long has it been on your agenda? Then two, I want you to consider would ending the school year with project-based learning be a benefit for your students? So meaning, do you think your PBL unit will cause you to be able to the school year with students being excited to explore a new challenge? So those are the two things I want you to consider. Now, you're probably thinking, well, yes, I still want to do project-based learning. I'm still interested. I would love to continue my PBL unit, but what about my testing that's coming up? Or what about high school credit recovery? Or maybe you're thinking, will this be too overwhelming for the students or would it be too overwhelming for me? So in that case, I want you to make the decision that's right for your situation, but I also want you to explore another option. I have spoken to some teachers who are working with students over the summer and they have a little more autonomy over what they're doing over the summer and it's the same age range and their PBL unit could fit into what they're teaching in the summer. And so they want to save it for the summer. That may be you. But I also have teachers who are like, I want to try to make it work to execute a PBL unit plan before the end of the semester, because I want to be able to learn from it. Now, one of the things I will say about that is when you're learning something new, the longer you go with learning and not applying, the more likely you lose that skill. So think about something that you've learned in the past and then you haven't done it in a long time. And so you're really rusty on it. Like you used to be good at it, 
but it's been so long that you actually don't have that skill set anymore. It would benefit you if there is a way to modify your PBL unit plan so that you can execute it before the end of the school year so that you can have time to reflect on it. You can have time to record your learnings and you can have time to modify it again to prepare it for the next year versus waiting to a whole nother school year when you kind of lost that skill set or that new knowledge that you gain. The other thing is I was speaking to a teacher who already knows that there's a possibility that they may not even be teaching the same grade level next year because numbers will be going down at their school. So that's a situation where you may have created a PBL plan for a ninth grade biology class, but you may not even be teaching biology next year. So you, you may not have the opportunity to execute on that plan. Just kind of keep that in mind as well, because as we just talked about, things are uncertain. So we need to take advantage of what we know right now. This podcast episode is for teachers who are like, I'm interested in still trying to execute my PBL plan, but I want some ideas on how I can make it happen. Let's get out the way that you've probably imagined the perfect six week project-based learning unit with all of the nine phases of the impactful PBL roadmap planned out. And maybe you envision this highly produced showcase. And now you're having a hard time thinking about anything else or envisioning anything else. I get it. I'm the same way. Once I get a vision in my head, I'm like, this is the perfect thing. And then when I have to modify it, I'm like, oh, well now it's not as good, or maybe it's not going to be as helpful or it's not going to be as valuable. So I want you to take a deep breath. And what I want you to think about is that your vision can still come true, or should I say your modified vision can still come true and your full vision may happen with round two of the PBL unit. So meaning the second time that you are working with students, you can add in those extra pieces that you wanted to try this school year, but was unable to do so. So let's discuss how you can modify your current PBL unit plan to align with your current reality. Meaning it is still possible for you to execute your PBL unit we just have to think about what modifications you want to consider. I'm going to walk you through the impactful PBL roadmap and discuss where you can alter some of your plans, but still be able to execute a quality learning experience for your students and for you. If you are new to the podcast and don't know what I mean by the impactful PBL roadmap, it's the planning framework that I created and hundreds of teachers at this point has used to design a custom project-based learning unit for their students. You can find information about the roadmap in the show notes. But let's dive in. First, I want to get one key point out of the way before we get started, and that's time frame. We're going to make the assumption here that we need to shorten the time frame. So let's work off the time frame of two to three weeks. I know you're probably thinking my PBL unit was six weeks. My PBL unit was nine weeks, and that's fine. But we're going to walk through making the assumption that your PBL unit was six weeks, but now we want to modify it to three weeks. All right. So let's start with phase one of the impactful PBL roadmap. We know that phase one is to identify your students' learning goals. So typically I tell people to use their pacing guide, their curriculum map, or whatever you want to call it, to determine which content standards and objectives students will learn during their PBL unit. So now I want you to look at what you chose as the learning objectives for your PBL unit. Typically, I encourage interdisciplinary learning, but right now it may be best to focus on your content. And if some other content fits perfectly, that's okay, but this is not your focus. So for example, if my driving question is how can we create an education campaign to promote healthy eating? Well, if students are going to create a campaign, their campaign may include multimedia components, graphics, images, music, sound, visual displays, presentations, whatever, which is an ELA standard in most states, right? But I am not creating my PBL unit to actually try to focus on that because I want to focus on my standards, although they're going to use ELA standards to showcase their knowledge. So we're gonna focus on our standards 
So therefore, now we can go back and we look at our impactful PBL roadmap. And I want you to narrow it down. I want you to look at your, if I have a three week time frame, what can I take out of my PBL unit and save for the next year? We want to narrow it down because we're assuming we don't have six weeks, we have three weeks. Okay. And this all makes sense as we go through the roadmap. Then we want to look at phase two of our roadmap, which is to map the scenario and students driving question. Remember at this phase is where you chose an interesting topic and you connected the driving question that will guide a student's learning process. And then you drafted a scenario to provide a background to make the project more interesting. Your driving question and your scenario probably can stay the same unless you designed it in a way that is so broad that it would take a lot of standards to actually execute it. But even if you did, you're only focusing on them being able to create a solution incorporating your content standards. And if some other standards come into play, that's great. So your driving question should be able to stay the same. Look at your driving question. See if it still works for you. If that's a check, move to phase three. So phase three is planning students assessments. Now, remember, this is where you examine a variety of methods to assess student learning. And you started to brainstorm how you would measure student mastery of the content. Because we're now reducing our PBL unit from six weeks to possibly three weeks, we don't need as many assessments because one, we're working with a shorter time frame, but also you're not covering as many standards as you once were. So you don't need to actually assess as many standards. In this case, you can look at the assessments that you planned out and say, which one is going to inform me that students are mastering the content? Remember with PBL units, I typically say there's three types of assessments that you most likely would be doing throughout. And that's the diagnostic, summative, and formative, right? Because you have less standards covered, you can reduce the number of assessments. So maybe you have one diagnostic assessment. Now, when I say diagnostic, I'm not talking about your traditional diagnostic where you're thinking about students are taking 20 questions to see if they remember how to do X from the previous year. In this example, this may be you creating one big mind map for students where they're sharing what they know about the topic. So using our previous driving question, maybe they're sharing everything they know about healthy eating, the purpose of eating healthy or how it impacts their health. Or what do they know about campaigns? What kind of campaigns have they seen before? What is the purpose of a campaign? So that's your quick diagnostic. Then you want to have formative assessments. You may say, well, because we're working on this project over three weeks, I'm going to have a group check in a week and a half into the project. You may still have other assessments that you have planned to do that was content specific. And if you wanna know more about these type of assessments, check out episode 13, where I discuss six ways to assess students during project-based learning experiences. So now look at your assessments. What do you have planned? What three are you gonna keep? And which ones are you gonna save for the next time when you do this unit and it's more expensive? Now move to phase four. Phase four is attracting students' attention. So remember in this phase, you brainstorm an engaging way to introduce the problem or challenge to students. Maybe you have plans to invite a guest speaker. This still can happen because it can happen in a virtual learning environment. Maybe you have the guest speaker present their information virtually. But if you're in a situation where you're having scheduling conflicts for whatever reason, maybe you could ask them to record a quick video and you give them some questions to answer. Or you could change your launch or entry event to something else that's easier to do that doesn't involve other people. You can find something interesting online about your topic that you can use to show students to create an engaging discussion to get students interested in the topic. I want you to look at phase four. How did you plan to attract students' attention and can you still do that? Is this something that's feasible 
Or right now, does it seem like this is really hard to do given my current learning environment and then figure out a more simple way to attract students' attention? Now we're looking at phase five. Phase five was to create students' daily learning experiences. This is where you are describing what students would need to learn each day. This is probably the part that you're editing the most. Because remember, maybe your original plan was six weeks or nine weeks, but we cut it back to three weeks because we eliminated some of the standards and some of the learning objectives that students were originally going to learn. And we're now going to learn exactly what they need to know to answer the driving question. Look at what you originally planned to teach each day and see which of those learning objectives tie back to each standards. Because remember, you eliminated some standards. So now you can eliminate some of those learning objectives because it no longer ties to your new focus of the project. And then that's how you're going to make your modifications. You want to think about what essential knowledge do students need to gain to answer the driving question. That should be easy for you to go back in and look at your daily learning objectives and see which ones no longer align to your current standards that you're focused on. Then you want to move to phase six, tracking students' progress. So remember, this is the part where you were thinking about your project management tools to help students stay organized. Let's say originally you had came up with this great plan or you were going to teach them how to use this different tracking system and they were going to be great project managers, right? For many of you, now may not be the time to introduce anything new to students. We want to use what they already know. So if they're already using Google Classroom, then that's where you will put your your project timeline, the expectations, the resources that they need to complete the project, etc. If they're using a LMS system right now, like Canvas or Schoolology, whatever they're currently using, just use that because now you don't have to teach a new tool. You're just going to show them where the resources are. Now, next year, if you want to introduce a new tool for them to be able to track their progress, that's great. But maybe for this three-week project, we're going to use whatever they already know how to use. This is a time you want to adjust your milestones as well. So remember in our project-based learning unit, we put milestones in to talk about at what stage of the process should students be completing certain work tasks. So you want to go through and adjust your milestones because remember, you are moving from a shorter time frame, so you're not going to have as many milestones. And if you're curious about the milestones, then you can also check out episode 15, where I talk about how to use milestones to track students' progress during PBL. So now we looked at our tracking students' progress. We're like, oh, actually, I was going to use the learning management system that they already have. Then we're good to go. There's nothing to change there. Phase seven. Now we're talking about finalizing students' showcase agenda. I always like to clarify what I mean by showcase. Basically, the way that students will exhibit or display or share their public product or their solution with an authentic audience. That's all it means. Some people may say exhibition. Before we jump to the showcase, I want to discuss public products. I want you to look at your phase seven and I want you to look at what were the options for students to complete their public product. Meaning with their driving question, were you going to allow students to create anything they want as long as it answered the question? Or did you streamline it and say you could use three or four of these ways. Now, if you had it open where they could choose whatever, this may be the time to streamline the process by allowing them to choose from a maximum of three options. So it still gives them choice, but it's not too open because remember, this is over three weeks. You cut down on some of the standards and we want to make sure that the project is still quality and meaningful. So let's go back to our example driving question. How can we create an education campaign to promote healthy eating? So this is one of the driving questions that a member of our Paxful PBL network. So in this example, students can answer this question either through a video or writing a persuasive speech or creating a digital or print campaign. Give students a list of how they can share their knowledge. I would probably keep it to three, but that's totally up to you. Then you want to think about your showcase event. Look at your showcase event. What was it? And is it still feasible? For example, at this point, 
most events may be virtual, depending on who the authentic audience is, because there's so many limitations on who could probably come to the school who have access to students. But even if their audience is other grade levels or their peers, you still may have like extra provisions that you need to consider. So you might want to just make your event virtual, but that's totally up to you. But the one thing I do want to say is do not skip this step. This is the part where when it comes to the showcase, where some teachers say, oh, we're not going to showcase it. They did such a great job. They're going to share it with their people in their classroom and then we're going to let it go. We want them to be able to share their public product. That is a major part of project-based learning. So we don't want to skip this step. We just need to make this step as simple as possible so that we can make it happen. Now, if you want more information on planning a showcase, check out episode 19, where I talk about how to brainstorm ways for students to showcase their knowledge virtually. And I walk you through how to come up with some different ideas. So this may be different for what you originally planned, but you can save the idea that you have for your showcase if it's something that you're not able to do this year for next year. But I just want to stress, do not eliminate them sharing their work. You looked at your showcase, you're thinking my virtual event is already planned or almost planned. We good to go. So then you check that off. Then you want to move to phase eight. Remember, that's where you're talking about uniting students and building a collaborative culture. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm a big advocate for group work during PBL. But I also know, depending on your learning environment and the age of your students, it may be difficult right now, especially if you are working in a virtual environment. So what I want you to think about is how you can integrate collaboration in a different way. So you could consider students working as partners versus groups of four, because then that's easier for them to connect. You could also think about them submitting individual public products if it's too hard for them to work together virtually. If you're in a virtual environment, you can build in collaboration through feedback and suggestions. You want to give students peer feedback protocols in order for them to engage in a conversation in a meaningful way and actually be able to provide suggestions that's helpful to their peers. You will have to guide students through this, but that's a way to build in collaboration, even if you have students complete their projects individually. So look at what were some ideas that you have for building a collaborative culture, see if they will still work. If not, what can you do so that students can still get that collaboration, but maybe it looks differently than them working in groups of four. Phase nine, lead students through the reflection process. Okay, this is the phase where you were crafting techniques to encourage students to think about their learning during and after the PBL unit. You could probably utilize what you already planned for the reflection process unless you created an elaborate process for student reflection, but I suggest that you keep it simple. Maybe students can answer a journal prompt such as what would you change if you had a chance to do this project again or name a challenge that you experienced while working on this project idea? How did you overcome it? Your reflection for the project can be them writing in a journal, which would take them maybe five minutes. You can add something each week if you want, maybe a Friday journal prompt. And then that way they're reflected during the first week, the second week and the third week. But it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. If you had something elaborate planned and now it just seems like it's too much, just like I said with the other phases, save it for next year and you can implement that. All right, now it's time for you to take action. You're going to determine how you can modify your plan to fit your current teaching situation, but still be able to provide a meaningful learning experience for students. Start with your PBL timeframe. So if you had an original six weeks, you're going to look at how you can make it three weeks. Review your plan and make the modifications based on suggestions from this episode, or maybe you thought of some ideas as you listen to this episode. I love to hear your plans though. So if you have questions, 
questions and are a member of the Impactful PBL Network, you know you can find me inside our private platform and we can continue to brainstorm how you can modify your plan. If you are not a member of our year-long program, but you have a quick and specific question that you can message me via LinkedIn, I look forward to hearing about how you ended the year strong with your PBL unit. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you find this podcast insightful, please leave a review and subscribe so you can get notified of future episodes.